0: Look at the bigger, look at the turn. Oh, that was brilliant, Luke Bruce. Lewis runs into the open goal. Thank you very much. The Hawks are back in town. He finished it for He carried his fourth. He's had a day out. Scrimshaw. half the seas, went for home and
1: nails it. He'll just set it up, looking for the high flyers. That's and... it.
0: Hello and welcome Hawks fans, thank you for joining us for this very special edition of the podcast, members preparing to cast their votes not only to elect candidates to the board, but to determine the next president of the Hawthorne Football Club. It's contested between two men, Peter Nankerville and Andy Gowers, and we were delighted to have both of them join us on the podcast to discuss their respective views and visions for Hawthorne. This is one of two election specials out right now, and this one features our interview with Andy Gowers, as I welcome my co-host here on the Hawk Talk podcast, G'day Tiz. G'day, mate. Can we just replay last year's? <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show, Andy Gow is happy to give his time to us again, and we, we do thank him for that. It's very generous. Yeah, no, it's. Uh,
1: I was being flippant, but uh, it's great to see Andy again. And um, he'd been in Tassie this day, and he just returned, so it's very generous. I think we got
0: through most of the issues. Yeah, a lot of interesting insights into to the big ticket items uh, this election. Yeah, there's a lot to cover, and, and I hope our listeners enjoy. This is our interview with Andy Gowers. day, Andy. Friend of the show, Andy Gowers. Welcome back. It's great to have you here again. And uh, we're, we're happy to talk all things election. This is a significant period for the club, and we're delighted to have you on board the podcast again. Thanks, Nick. I'm delighted to be here.
2: And to have this opportunity to uh, reacquaint myself with you and your um, your listeners is a, is a wonderful opportunity. So thanks for having me.
0: Now, this is at the tail end of a, a pretty massive day for you. You've returned from Tassie. Uh, you've been pushing your vision. You've met with the, the Premier. You, you've met with uh, a number of diehard fans as well. It's obviously significant to you, this, this issue of Tassie. Could you talk us through your plans and how you see our relationship with the state going forward?
2: Well, the first point, I guess, is... Being the family club, one of the branches of our family is in Tasmania, and that's the way that I've, I've been thinking about our, our Tasmanian friends who are members and, and fans of the club, just like we all are, uh, based based in Tassie. And the, the Tasmanian partnership between Hawthorne and the Tasmanian government, and I guess more specifically the Launceston and, and North... Tasmanian area, Northern Tasmanian area, has been an absolute winner for all parties. It's brought a lot of tourism to Northern Tasmania and, and broad, more broadly across Tassie in general, but specifically North, Northern Tasmania. We now have almost 8,000 members in Tasmania. Uh, so that's an amazing community. Speaking of community, we've done a hell of a lot of work in the community of Tasmania, getting out amongst the schools and, and the towns. And it's, it's the first stop off, uh, it, well, it has been in the past, over the 22 years that we've been playing out of York Park, UTAS Stadium, we've taken the Premiership, a Premiership Cup that we've won down there. It's pretty much our first stop to celebrate with our, and share with our, our Tasmanian members and fans. So um, I think that shouldn't be lost on us. I've been really strong about Tasmania deserving their own license and having their own team. Um, and I think that's that's in contrast with, with Jeff Kennett and Peter Nankable. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased to let the Tasmanian football um, public know, but and, and specifically the Hawthorne members know, based in Tassie, that I'm right behind a Tasmanian. Uh, team and I think it's it's long overdue yes there are some commercials that need to be worked out and it's not finalized yet but if and when Tasmania gets granted a license and remember there's a big uh, a big stadium that will need to be delivered as part of that it'll be a great thing for Tasmania and we're looking to have our our, um, our presence in Tasmania continue now what that looks like is up in the air so that I think everybody understands that so we need to work through with the Tasmanian government what the commercials would be. And I'm I'm confident that that's something that will be a win for the Hawthorne Footy Club, a win for our members, of course, Tassie members, and also a win for, for
0: Tasmania. And You've been quite emphatic today about that contrast between your vision and the current administration. Could you speak to us a bit about that? It seems as though the insinuation was... <laughs> That the current administration has taken more of an interest now in everything Tassie now that there's something on the line.
1: Yeah,
2: well, that's 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 pretty clear, I think. You know, the um, uh, Jeff and and Peter until recently, and Peter's been the one um, warming up to it a bit more. But the the response and the attitude to uh, a Tasmanian license, a Tasmanian team, I, th- I think describing it as lukewarm is probably overstating it. It's probably been less than lukewarm. So, whereas I'm absolutely adamant, this is a good thing for Tasmanian footy, and it can still be good for Hawthorne and our members there. So just try and picture a um a battle between the Hawks and the Tasmanian side. Uh played at UTAS Stadium. Now, maybe, maybe there's a game there to be played as an away team with Tasmania hosting. And maybe we could maybe we could be the home team for, for a match against the Tasmanian side. So I think I think all options should be investigated, but the key principle here is Tasmania deserves its own side, its own team, and Hawthorne can integrate within that structure. And yeah, let's work out what the commercials look like. Clearly, there's been such a strong partnership between Tasmania and and our club, and what that can look like with a Tasmanian license is up for discussion. But I think there's a solution there that works for all parties.
1: Just a thought I've had over the years is, is teams that have had two home grounds, sort of, they have a really good ability to be able to uh, make finals and win premierships. It seems like that's something that really aids the development of a side.
2: Yeah. Well, Tiz, that's exactly right. We've got such a great strike rate down at UTAS Stadium. We love going down there and playing. Um, our our members and fans that uh, are up for a, um, a holiday or a trip, might, might be in the school holidays, take the kids down. It's been great for Tassie tourism. But, yeah, from a from a performance point of view, you wouldn't want to do um, or have an arrangement like this unless it was good for the performance of the side. I can tell you what the, uh, the football department would think of it, and they wouldn't think much of it. But <laughs> it, that's what I mean. It has worked on every level. So I'm sure there's a way that can be found that helps all parties. And it's been a, it's been a great model till now. And of course, you know the, the bridge between now and the time when we expect a Tasmanian license to be granted and that team starts playing, there's still obviously a, a premier place for Hawthorne to, to, um, to hold in Launceston and then in, in, in broader Tasmania.
0: Now, Tassie is just one of our homes, obviously. We're soon to have another in Dingley, the Kennedy Community Centre. It's obviously a project of enormous magnitude. Um, how do you convince members to prioritise change over continuity as far as overseeing that project is concerned?
2: Well, look, yeah, it, it is a it is a massive project. I was part of um, the board that made the decision to buy the land in the first place. So, um, and that, that was... A bit of a no-brainer really because you know Melbourne is expanding um as the crow flies it is just slightly closer to the CBD than um than Waverley Park is so um yeah it is it's in the same kind of realm um and look it would be it would be just a fantastic um facility for our our future home now this wasn't uh decided upon the plans to build something like out at the Kennedy Community Center, it wasn't decided upon in a hurry and without a hell of a lot of research. So an, an advance party was sent over um, overseas and that included board members and players. And they went and had a look at some of the best sporting facilities, the best sporting homes in the world, including um, EPL soccer homes and NFL homes and so on. And so they came back with armed with a, a whole heap of information based on what the best practice worldwide was for sporting clubs. One of the things that was identified was that you don't necessarily have to have your home base right next door to where you play or even in the the same postcode. And we already have that anyway with Waverley and the MCG and indeed Tassie. So we we were looking for a a greenfield site and a site with with plenty of room. Um, It is is absolutely true that... uh, that um, Bengal Bajora, Waverley Park is uh, too small for us already. we we, we outgrew it really um, a while ago. And this this would have you know at least two ovals, um, cutting edge facilities, and and also we'll, we'll be able to host AFLW matches out there, which is a critical part of the the future too. So all in all, it's such an exciting venture. But yeah, we, we need to um, work out the best way to fund it. And um, as I described yesterday, and has been picked up at the moment, we've got a, um, you know, a, a black hole in the in the funding for it. And some of that is, I guess, um, allocated from the state government and others from benefactors. And unfortunately, we're seeing a bit of a barrier for that money to come through. And that's probably one of many factors that's delaying the development of the kennedy community center unfortunately
0: well i anticipate your answer to this but i'm going to ask it anyway are you satisfied with the progress of that project and are you satisfied with the communication around it
2: well look i mean am i satisfied i think it's taken longer than anybody would like um they're they're not easy projects that's for sure you can't just um you know, click your fingers and magically have a, 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 compute, a complete new headquarters. We've seen that with other clubs around the, the competition. But I think it's fair to say that we've we've dragged our heels a bit. And look, funding is clearly a major issue for this project. Now, the other the other thing that happens to coincide with a, a lack of funding and that black hole that I talked about is costs are going up. It's harder to get labour to deliver the project. And, you know, we're... Um, we don't seem to be getting any closer um, as the days roll by, so that's disappointing. And you know, if if I'm elected as president, I'd like to see what can be done to fast track things. Make doing it in a in a, um, a diligent way and a prudent way. We don't want to overstretch ourselves and overcommit. But let, let let's get on with it. Let's raise those funds. Let's let's get the money in in the um, in the coffers. Let's develop that that site. Let's get our headquarters. Um, built and it's such an exciting project it really is and it it, i mean the kennedy community center it just it just reeks of of history but it also a a promise of a really successful future as well and look that that's a a slight digression but that's ultimately why i'm running
1: i I, i'm running for a really bright future for our club it'll be good to have a stable home as well because we tend to shift fairly fairly regularly (laughs)
2: Well look we were, yeah we've had a few home grounds um although we've been we've been very um solid of recent history a recent past but yeah so look um the the move to Waverley was a big move from Glenferry and i know um it was a uh, you yeah, know speaking of Michael Brown at the time we had a we had a sweetheart deal from a rental point of view uh it we um, we have a lot of support and a lot of members uh, based out in the east of Melbourne so that corridor made a lot of sense for us to uh, to move out to and maintain a presence at Glen Forever which we we've done for many years we've had a a merchandise shop there you know Hawks Nest outlet there for many years we don't have it at the moment but do we
1: still have access to doing something there because I know there's a lot of old um, members who still live in the area that like some kind of uh, touch point to the club yeah
2: well it is that's something that I'd I'd love to help drive. So I, I'm a really big. um Well, firstly, on the point of um uh events, I'd love to see more events. I'd love to see us uh, interact with our members more. I'd love to. See, so the old in the old days, we had the social club on one side of the road, and we Woody Brown on the other side of the road, and there was. A I lot met of, you
1: there as a kid.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Well, there was a lot of in between, and. It, I think that's where the, you know, the family club descriptor was just so accurate and so apt. Well, all, all right, we're a much bigger beast now than we were in those days. I mean, just before the, um, the merger vote in 1996, we only had 11,000 members. So leading up to that time, we didn't even have that many. So we we were a small club by membership standards in those days. And now we're, we're you know, pretty much... Um, almost 10 times that uh, that number in terms of members. So, all right, logistically, it's a bit harder, but we've also got great technology. We're, we're recording this on Zoom right now. So there are ways to reach, and you're doing a podcast, there are ways to reach multiple members, multiple fans, with smart use of technology.
1: Yeah, because I think I think you've got to look at increasing the value of the membership. There's um, there's so many things competing with it. And we've seen this year the attendance to games has been lower, not necessarily just for Hawthorne, but across the board.
2: Look, um, I don't disagree at all. And look, I'm I'm not here to say I'm I'm the uh, the answer to um, you know to building up our membership. And I know the membership department do an outstanding job. They really do. They're brilliant. I've, we've been dealing with them recently. Um, and I, I just think that from a member's experience point of view, so you you alluded to value tis. I, I just am a great fan of you know building that value and making sure every single member feels like their Hawthorne membership is one of the most valuable things in the world. It's something they would never ever consider giving up. And unfortunately, I, I, look, I've been contacted by hundreds of people since the um, the news of my nomination became official. And unfortunately, some of those people, some have contacted me and some I have contacted. And unfortunately, um, there are too many of them that are not currently members. They're, they're waiting to see um, see what happens. And they are sitting on the sidelines. It's killing a lot of them. They'd much rather be supporting the club and, and being uh, you know uh, proud, passionate, and paid up, the paid up bit being you know the key bit from a membership point of view, but they, they haven't liked the, I guess, the, um, the period that we've been in of late. And to me, that's sad. So I'm, I'm gonna be very, very strong on building that member value and, and making sure our membership department can help deliver on more events there's going to be more work to be done, but that's okay. We're going to have plenty of volunteers. There will be plenty of people who are willing to help.
0: And I think it's exciting. I really do. Andy, we're, we're 12 months on from when this push for change first really ignited and started to take shape. And there was some success, for, for sure. Uh, Kenneth shaving a year off his term. Uh, Silk was elected to the board. Besides the circumstances around Nankerville being submitted for the presidency, what else have you seen over that past year that's given you some cause for concern?
2: Look, I, I think just overall, Nick, the um, we've seen some governance failures that um, I, I think the average member would understand that you know not not letting all the members know about the nominations process. So this is after the nominations committee. I'm talking about. I'm just talking about an AGM, what the dates might be, and so on. So I think openness and transparency in general is something where we need a hell of a lot of improvement so that's that's been really disappointing for me and that's contributed to me getting to the point where I felt like I needed to put my hand up um I think that um but well I I don't think it's a it's a surprise at all that we've slipped down that ladder of respect I've been using this phrase a bit lately because there's there's no official ladder of respect is there but I think I think we'd all agree we were higher up on it, um, you know, two or three or four or five years ago than we are now. So that, that's disappointing. Um, you know, we, we haven't been able to pay the full amount of the soft cap. And okay, we, we understand the reasons for that. We had a, um, a financial agreement with, um, with Alistair Clarkson, but that's meant that our footy department in 2022 hasn't had the money that we would love it to have in order to invest in whether it be more coaches or you know more more football resources to, to develop our young list. Um, so there, there are a range of things like that that I guess have led me to to come to the conclusion that um, you know our club is not where we all want it to be and I want it to be its best. I want it to be its best again and you know I'm prepared and committed to doing what I can to to bring the team along. And when I'm talking about the team, I'm talking about the club. I think just, just on that, I think um, one thing that I really wanted to stress is I think Beck, Goddard, Sam Mitchell and the football department are doing a terrific job. I completely support the youth policy and the strategy that we have with both sides. I mean, we've had such a young side with the, the women's team this year and they were they were very exciting to watch. I got to as many games as I could and was really I was I was thrilled to see A, the the women's team running around in the in the brown and gold, but B, I was I was rapt to see how competitive we were. And to win those three games in a row was fantastic. And then on the men's side of things, yeah, I I think we outperformed where most of us thought we 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 would or what we would do. So I want to make it really clear, I'm right behind the uh, the footy program, Sam and Beck and, and all the players. And very supportive of of that direction and look the reality is um, young players need you know three four five pre-seasons in them Um, and and a number of games I've said this before recently too you know if you if you look at the the, um, the profile of the last four or five premiership teams if you take out two or three of the oldest and two or three of the youngest so take out both ends of and some uh, go back a couple of years, take out a Shawnee Burgoyne, That really, that really makes sure he doesn't skew the numbers. <clears throat> the profile of a premiership team is around about 110 games for the rest of those players. So we're, we're, we, we don't have that much experience at the moment. So we need to build towards that. It's not to say we can't outperform
1: and achieve that. Um, earlier than that than hitting that figure like 08 like 08 <laughs> so so you're saying that the uh, 20 by 50 is still in contention
2: <laughs> well look yeah um, I mean I, I'm amused I think that um, what we focus on is the here and now let's let's work out where we're at let's let's make some short maybe some medium term goals and look we if you if you look at our history we won our first premiership in 1961. And we've been able to win at least one premiership in every other decade since. So our last flag being in 2015, we're now seven years post that. And we're, you know,
1: we're, we're into, the, uh, into the early 20s um, easily. No, we've got a good shot. Yeah. We've got a good shot. But it seems, but it, it's, it, it seems uh, most board aspirants and both aspirants to the presidency, they all agree that the footballing decisions have, and where the department sits is pretty good yeah so when you talk about the latter respect are you are you speaking to the uh the first nations scandal or
2: well i think that's played a role but i think there's a whole lot of things that have played a role but if i could just address that very point uh that is something that um you know when i when i read that report i i was shocked by those stories uh, that are in it i um I, my heart goes out to everybody involved um and I, I well, I'm not only welcome, but I, I look forward to um, everybody having their say. That hasn't been um, able to happen yet. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that both sides of that story will get their opportunity to address that report. Um, and we need to make some decisions and, you know, based on the recommendations that come from that independent AFL panel. So I think that's a good process that, that is now happening where we'll, we'll get an independent assessment of it. Um, if, if there are things that we need to respond to that um, are difficult for our club, we'll face them um, in, in the best possible manner, with care, with empathy, with respect, and, and with speed as well. We, we wanna we get on with things. Um, but we don't wanna shy away from any, any wrongs from the past either. So, you know, it, it's a very, very complex, um area and so yeah I, I do look forward to the recommendations from the AFL panel but if I could just make a comment too about the fact that um it seems like we're celebrating the fact that right now we're culturally safe and of course I welcome the um you know the the um the likes of a, of a Carl Amon joining our club that that speaks to the fact that yes it probably is culturally safe but that term culturally safe I I don't see that as a particularly high benchmark, I think we should be aiming a lot higher than that. I'd like to hear us saying, we're the industry leader, we are the benchmark in the AFL when it comes to our Indigenous relations. So that's, that's one of many reasons why I'm endorsing the policy of us having a full time Indigenous relations general manager who would report directly to our CEO. I think that that's a really good idea. And it will add so much more to our club, it really will. So, and for all the right reasons it's, and it's doing the right thing. So uh, yeah, I think that's it's one of many reasons why um, you know, we, have, we have drifted down that ladder of respect. And that's one of, one of the things I'd be looking to change as president is getting us right to the top of that ladder of respect.
1: So last year you were campaigning for the board and then uh, withdrew the challenge. Um, to aid Ian, who was very enthusiastically supported by Hawks for Change. Ian's been quite quiet over the last 12 months. Are we going to hear something from him in the next week? You've already been supported by... i given your support to Ed Sill, and James Molino has supported you, and you have supported James Molino. Can, are we expecting to hear from Ian? Uh, look, I'm not sure whether you'll hear from Ian or not, but look, Ian is, is a... Um an
2: extremely accomplished person. Uh, and I was very pleased to see him move into the role of chair of uh, nominations committee. Uh, and I understand that that nominations committee was formed with the express purpose of finding a, um, a legal person on the board um, in the event of, uh, because Peter Nackerville had to resign his directorship to then run as president. So it would have left a, a vacuum in terms of that legal expertise. Um, so I was rapt to see uh, that Ian had taken that um, that chairmanship on of of that uh, committee. Um, and look, I'm sure when when the time comes, you'll you'll hear from from Ian in due course about whatever uh, whatever topic is relevant. But look, the the that um, that process last year, I think, was a really good result for our club, and you know that. Um, my understanding is I don't have the exact numbers but my understanding is that yes he he was voted in quite strongly and that doesn't surprise me at all.
1: I'm pleased to hear you talk about the the portfolios on the board because I think that's a very good model going forward and that's something I was going to ask you about how you'll how you'll uh, build the board under your under your leadership. But as there's so many who've come through Jeff's presidency are you looking to sort of overhaul a few other positions going forward, or how how will it be that you that you sort of um, I don't know. It, it, there seems to be some division on the board at the moment. How will you handle that going forward?
2: Yeah. Well, look, the the first point that I've made in my three point plan Tiz, is unity. So I, I see that as the the first my first task if I'm elected. So if, if I'm the next president my very first and biggest task is to unify or, and help the club unify. And that will start with the board. So that that will be um, one very important task. There's certainly a sense from my side of things um, because I've been outside of the club now for five years. Although, you know, I, I sat on um, the first version of the nominations committee this year, I I don't have the same knowledge of, you know, who who the people are in the club in various positions. And that includes the board. I, I haven't met some of the board members in person yet. So that, that would obviously change if I'm elected. So, so that'll be a big part of it. And I guess, um, you know, assessments need to happen. We need to be um, open and honest about where we, where we stand, where we sit. And look, the reality is, and this is something that I do professionally, I've, I've got a background in succession planning. So... With succession planning, you're always looking – And I, have you guys ever seen the um, the Netflix series oh, – it might be an Apple TV series – Succession, have you seen it?
0: I haven't seen it, no. I've heard of it.
1: I'll put that on the watch list. Okay.
2: <laughs> it's basically about a, um, uh, a wealthy media mogul family and the battle with succession because the old man doesn't let go of, of the reins basically – so there, there, um, there might be some analogies there for us. But <laughs> but my my point in raising it is, I do this professionally, and one of the one of the hard realizations is, is that everybody's um, use by date comes up at some point. None of us are expendable, and we we hand the club back over when we leave because all of us will leave for some reason at some point in time. That we we all know that. So it's a matter of looking at. Um, you know the the mix of skills, and, and you talked about you know or we talked about the, the point about portfolio. So we have a board at the moment, and we have a club at the moment that's been formed um, through the lens of an eleven year president, and the last five years, Peter Nankervell's been his vice president. So we very much have a board and a club that's been formed in that in that shape. So. I, look, I'm a different style of leader. I'm a different type of person. Um, I'm sure I'll have different views, but but that's okay. And I, and I do this professionally. So the the first the, the starting point with succession planning is what is best for the club, which is really easy to say, but it's much harder to actually
0: you know, follow through. Well, well, let's talk about difference in in a general sense. In what ways do you feel that your vision? and your opponent's vision for the club diverge. I mean, you're both fundamentally Hawthorne people and well-intentioned as far as the future of this club goes, but where do you think you guys differ?
2: Uh, well, let me first say, um, and I've said this to Peter in person, It's not. A, this is not a personal thing. We, we've actually been friends for a long time. It, it's it's more a case of I think what this club needs at the moment is a, is a bit more uh, footy knowledge. He's a lawyer. I've got... I suppose I've got the football background. You know, I've played in a premiership as a player. I've been a football director for, for two flags in 2014 and 2015. So, okay, I'm stronger on the footy footy side, but I, I mentioned the, uh, the succession planning expertise before. And I think that that is very helpful. And I think that that will be something that I'll be looking to leverage uh, in this role. If I'm, if I'm elected and Look, my, my default position in business and in life is to build relationships. So that's why um, that unity thing, yeah, of course it's important for the club, but I feel like that's a strength of mine that I can bring to this role. Um and look, it's it's unfortunate, um, I guess from <laughs> Peter's um you know electable or electability, but he's been Jeff Kennett's vice president for five years. So they've been a tag team for five years. Since Jeff came back into the board in 2017, Peter Blankable's been his vice president. So I I don't have that um, association. Um, I represent me. Yes, I've got people that back me, but all the people who are backing me, they're all members. This has been a grassroots thing. Um, And I'm a grassroots member myself. I pay my subs every year. And I've moved to this position because I I really want us to get back to our best. And I think in terms of timing, I think the best chance of doing that is under my leadership.
0: Your task is to persuade members that we need change. Uh, You're aligned with the Hawks for Change campaign. And that is the buzzword is change. We need change and we can't afford to stay the course is the argument. What are we risking is my question.
2: Well, look, I I worry. I do have concerns. I talked about that ladder of respect. I I I want to give, as I said before, I want to give and make sure the football department, and I think every member listening and um, you know, listening in listening into us, would agree. Any member of any club would agree with this. They want their club to have and their team to have the best chance of success, and I um, I worry that that is not the case. When, for example, you're not able to pay the full soft cap, when you've got you're in the media for the wrong reasons. We want to be in the media because we're we're playing really well and because hopefully we're challenging in the finals and challenging for silverware, as Clarco has coined it. I I want to make sure that we've got the best opportunity to do that. And that starts with unity. Clearly, we're not united at the moment. So I've heard the argument, well, we need stability but we haven't got stability now. So we need, we need a stable club. And I'm very confident that that's something that I can help bring about with the help of a whole lot of other great
0: Hawthorne people. When we discuss change, I think the the emphasis for people that advocate for it, there's there's a lot of talk still, and even in this interview, there's a lot of talk about Al- Alistair Clarkson's exit and how that was handled, the investigation into the tra- into the treatment of First Nations players, these sorts of things have dominated conversation, uh, righting wrongs. Is this an election about accountability for past decisions or safeguarding the future?
2: I think it's more the. The latter, I think it's more about safeguarding the future, but it, but we need to we need to understand what's happened in the past as a as a context setter for the future. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm really focused on the future, and I'm focused on the very short term future, but also the long term and everything in between. So. Yep, yeah. You have to you have to understand where you've come from to work out where you're going. And I and I think I've got a good handle on that. And you know, I, I share the um, I guess the uh, how would I put it the, the frustration of the average member in in where we're at, but but I say this to every member listening. Um, football clubs, in, in particular our football club, we're able to turn this stuff around relatively quickly. Collingwood does provide a good recent example. It's always hard to peep lots of praise on a on a uh, on a rival, but you got to take your hats off to the Pies. They they finished seventeenth on the ladder last year, and they nearly made a grand final this year. They missed out by one point. Now they had they were in the media for the wrong reasons not that long ago too. So that's a that's a recent example, and and maybe we're not in exactly the same position. But no two clubs are ever in exactly the same position. So. I think that um, we do have a wonderful opportunity when we unite. So my three-point plan is unity, making sure that we we come together and we're all pulling in the same direction, Uh, being the family club again. And so I've touched on that that aspect of uh, putting the member in the centre of the club again. I I don't think there's been enough uh, focus on the member. uh, And, for example, just, just one really pertinent example is not communicating to the members what the process is for the AGM this year. I mean, if, if that your local netball club does that, every club should do that really easily and naturally. And just finally, the, the third point of my three-point plan is success. And it's in that order. Unite first, make sure we're the family club again, reliving uh, living those family club values, and success
1: should follow. Yeah, I've been unsatisfied this week with the lack of financial figures from the club this close to the to the voting. I was going to ask you about the finances of the club because we've had, you know, we've sold off the pokies. Um, Tasmania's coming to the end. Um, we're going to be playing off-Broadway for a little while. We, so we can't expect as good a cl- crowd figures as we might have had in the past. So in terms of revenue, and they've always spoken when you attend the AGMs of the future fund and safeguarding and, you know, never 96 again and, and all this kind of stuff. So how do you sit on those kind of... The, the, the finances of our club are absolutely paramount. It is
2: critical that we are financially independent. And as you referred there, Tiz, not ever getting to that point we were in 96. And part of that is making sure we are independently financial. We do not have to rely on AFL handouts or anything else. So that's critical, and that's that's embedded in our DNA now. if you look if you look at our finances, and I, I like you, I haven't got access to the latest uh, finances. I'm really looking forward to seeing the annual report. But we there's no doubt we face significant headwinds. and you mentioned a few of them. I mean, the Kennedy Community Center is one of them building it. Um, and then we, we okay, we're out of the pokies, and that is that is fantastic. i'm I'm sure. Everybody supports that that move. The family club should not be in the pokies. The windfall from the pokie sales um, that should that should be a, a significant amount of money in a future fund, which generates its own revenue and it builds, you know, builds and builds and builds. Just
1: compounds, and we can keep reaching in if we're yeah. Yeah, exactly
2: right. Yeah, man's greatest invention, according to Albert Einstein, compounding. <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, I hope we don't have to. Delve into the future fund to pay for part or of Dingley. So I hope that that is not on the cards. We haven't heard anything about that. Um I'm interested in what we are considering doing, if there's anything on the table as far as alternative revenue streams, because the, the pokies, uh again, um you yeah, know, complex issue. But look, notionally, it's not the right thing for the family club to be in pokies, albeit they delivered sizable revenue and then and then a sizable capital gain from the sale of them. But how are we going to replace that income we were making from, from those venues? How are we going to do that? And that's unclear. There's a question mark over Tasmania. I've already spoken about my, my plans there. But yeah, we do, we do have to replace the, the income. Um, Unless there's some kind of interim arrangement with the Tasmanian government before a Tasmanian come Tasmanian uh, side comes in, we're not sure. So there there are quite a few headwinds ahead of us.
1: So we have to get creative.
2: Yeah, that's right. So there there's a bit there's a bit a fair bit to work on.
0: It's been a strong theme in our conversation this evening and certainly in, in your campaign so far. There's been emphasis on unity, connecting with disenchanted members who have something to say, listening to them, relating to them. Uh, it's something that we've kind of covered in a roundabout way already, but in the event of your election, to what extent is it going to be a priority of yours to keep those communication lines open? Because you've done it fantastically so far, dating back to even last year with rallies and so forth. There's another rally by the time this comes out. I think it'll be Wednesday. You've got another one in the lead up to the actual vote. Um, How how do you intend to engage members should you be successful?
2: I I want to utilise technology more where we can I want to have more more events so some of them might and you talked before about a rally now those those rallies have all been on zoom and hundreds of people can attend at a time so there are there are smart ways of giving our members an opportunity to hear from us and an opportunity to provide us feedback ask us questions now no matter what format you use, it's always problematic. Who's asking the questions? How long do they go for? What topics? But there, there'll be a way way to do this where we can
1: share information, receive feedback, and so on. I think there's a big, big well that's not dived into too much, and that's the past success, past players, things like that, dissemination of their stories. I, I used to go to past players' events. I haven't been to many recently. But they're usually great. Yeah, they're always great, and though everyone loves those odd stories. None more so than the players telling them. Usually,
0: and <laughs> <laughs> you can take it from us as well. In our unique position as a podcast, we've been doing this for what about six years now. The hunger for content and access to players is there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's exactly right. And I think the, the past players might be a um, you know an, a very underutilised part of our club there might be a way of um, giving those past players a platform to, to share their stories and by by the same token give the members and the fans a way to um, to hear them and I mean what, what a wonderful interaction that would be so I, I think there are some things that we can do and look it might take more volunteers to help but you know, I reckon um, given the groundswell of offers that I have received, and I know others have received too, um, right now, we we so the most common bit of feedback that I have been receiving is, fantastic, you're running. How can I help? What can I do? I'll do anything for Hawthorne. That's the most common bit of feedback that I'm getting. So there, there might be a way where we can send out a blast to our members, we've got these ideas. What are your ideas? What do you think about this? How could we? Are there any, are there any are there any members out there with uh, you know a skill set that might be able to help us deliver this idea, or or your idea? So I, I think there's a it's a two way interaction, a two way communication stream, and I think by being more open and transparent uh, on every level. And obviously, there's you know, to a point we can't we can't share you know commercially sensitive information until we're able to to announce those sorts of things. But you know what I mean. You don't want to live stream the pre-game? <laughs> no, not the pre-game, or well, not the immediate post-game either. But you know what I mean. There are ways to have two-way communication that will be really compelling for our members and fans. And and the club will love to help deliver it.
0: There's a, it's a topic that we've discussed a lot between ourselves, myself and Tiz, a point of connection between club and members. And this is something we haven't discussed for a while, is Tiz and I joking about how we you know, family days are either in 42-degree heat or it's pissing down with rain. And <laughs> it's been a little while since we had to worry about that. And I dare say I miss it.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well... I really look forward to having those kinds of events again, and I, I don't want to preempt what the um what the team at the club have got planned uh, in that area. and And I'm not aware of what's been planned. That's what I mean. So, but yeah, look, like you, I, I I just immediately as you started talking, I started thinking about you know Glenfrey Oval with a stage and thousands of people on the Oval. Bgal Badura, uh, same thing whether it's a stage or not, thousands of people. And and that interaction between the club and its members is one of the most sacred relationships you can imagine. And,
0: yeah, I think it's, um, it's absolutely key. Andy, we're going to wrap up in just a moment. Um, but to tie all this up, this election, of course, it's going to go one of two ways. We'll look at both outcomes. Now, in the event of the members going with your opponent, and you're unsuccessful, what will your relationship be with the Hawthorne Football Club going forward?
2: My relationship, if I'm unsuccessful, will be that of someone who's prepared to serve. I've said this to Peter in person and and the other candidates. Uh, I am here to help the Hawthorne Football Club get back to its best. I think the best way for that to happen is if I'm president, but... I will accept the umpire's decision or the members' decision. The members are the ones deciding here. I'll accept the members' decision, um, either way. And if I don't get up, then I will um, shake Peter's hand, wish him the best, and be as supportive as I can be. Um, whether it's that's on a committee, whether it's a formal role or an informal role, I'll be I'll be available to help. Simple as that.
0: And conversely, should you be successful and elected president this December. What excites you about this opportunity? What are you most looking forward to?
2: I'm most looking forward to the looks and smiles on people's faces, the Hawthorne members' faces, when we get the club back to being its best again. And that that will, I mean, I'm thinking that's a flag. Our first flag for the AFLW, for our women, and the 14th flag for our men. The day when I get to celebrate uh, both of those occasions, the next for the men and our first for the women, that'll be that'll be an amazing feeling. And I'm, that's the thing I look back on with the most enjoyment of my own playing career, is just those relationships and just the pure joy that you're able to experience together. It's it's not the stuff out on the field; it's the stuff with the
0: people that really matter, and that's that's our members and our club indeed uh, Andy I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, once again here on the Hawk Talk podcast it's been an absolute pleasure best of luck for the election this December
2: thanks a lot Nick thanks tears. thanks for having me
0: well we sport for choice Nick yes indeed we are a massive thanks to uh, Andy Gowers for giving up his time and having a chat to us about all things Hawthorne and all the hot issues uh, ahead of this presidency. It's a massive vote, Tiz. It could really shape the future of the club. Yeah, surprisingly, um, they're
1: basically aligned on on the football department, uh, you know, and how that is progressing. They're both very, very happy with those things and, you know,
0: I, I think if either of these guys get up It'll be a really well run club. Now, listeners, if you haven't heard our interview with Peter Nankerville, if you do want to get as informed as possible, do check out the other episode and uh, do so ahead of the vote that opens this Friday. For now, though, we'll get to our social media wrap. Uh, maybe you're listening to this via Spotify or you're enjoying it via Audible or perhaps you're enjoying it via Apple Podcasts. If that is your platform of choice, why not take a few seconds to rate or review our show? We'd really appreciate that. You can join us over on social media channels as well. A hive of activity Throughout the off season, and we'd love to have you join us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This really is a community of the best, most diehard Hawk supporters out there. So get around us. And lastly, as always, we'd like to extend a massive thanks to our proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers who help make this podcast everything it is. And uh, they help us to put time into it, even in the off season. This is meant to be a little bit of a break for us, but we've decided to extend ourselves and give ourselves to the the club that we love in this very important time for the club. It must be said. So. Uh, Uh, Thanks to all our Patreon subscribers for helping to make that possible. Patreon.com slash Hawktalkpod. So it looks like both candidates have also agreed that they're going to be more accessible to the members from here on yeah fantastic yeah that is certainly one thing they have in common Uh, and yeah I I advise if you haven't checked out the interview with Peter Nankerville please do so it's a wonderful chat Um, equally as interesting and insightful as our chat with Andy that you've just enjoyed so get around that Uh, the next time you'll hear from us is going to be for the draft preview a massive draft period coming up it's one that the club really has to nail and we're going to look at some of the hottest prospects out there that the club could snap up with first pick mid-twenties pick are we going to trade up? Are we Are going to trade some picks and move up the order? Who knows? We'll wait and see. But uh, we'd love to have your company there. We are a happy team of Cawthorne.